Uh, We're in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we've been looking at the attacks of the devil. So let's read again from verse 8 in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, that is, um, be self-controlled. Be vigilant, watch, because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, walks or prowls like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. That's where we've got to. And then tonight, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So it's interesting here. Peter has just been talking about satanic attacks, which is part of being a Christian in the spiritual conflict. And now he's linking the attacks of the devil with our suffering, especially with persecution. Now, I find that quite significant. And then in the next verse, he's going to wind down his letter, but may the God of all grace, etc. So I just want to finish tonight looking at our response to uh, persecution and to suffering in general by looking at this ninth verse, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And I've only got two points. So my first point is this, knowing we can understand our sufferings. Now then, don't take this the wrong way. As Christians, we have to exercise faith most of the time, not knowing (laughs) why our Heavenly Father is allowing us to go through difficulties. We just have to trust that our Father knows best. But I do think there's a spiritual discernment in knowing, understanding something of our suffering as to why it is happening. Um, If you look at another word, in the New King James, it says, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced. That's not the best word. The original, I think, knowing that the same sufferings are being accomplished by your brotherhood. Do you know what that means? It means that God has a plan. If our sufferings are accomplishing something, it's not just something that is happening to us by chance. It's part of our Heavenly Father's plan. So in this first point, I just want to try and remove the veil a bit and look in. Why, Lord, are you allowing us to suffer as your people? And especially, why do you allow persecution to happen? Not knowing everything now. Let me just give you some answers. Uh, Look at 1 Peter 4.12. 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Isn't that interesting? It's not odd for us as Christians to have to suffer. It's part of the calling. And then uh, we have 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake... You are blessed. Isn't that amazing? The word blessed means you're happy. (laughs) 
Now, we're not to pray that we will be going through a time of persecution, but Peter says, you are going to be happy if God allows you to go through suffering because something's going to happen in your sufferings. And didn't the Lord Jesus say something like that in the reading? Twice he said, blessed are you when you are persecuted. Consider yourselves to be privileged if you are going through persecution. Um, I heard of one Christian somewhere, I think, in Eastern Europe. Maybe somebody will correct me. Uh, somebody was in uh, contact with this person and they were having a really difficult time. It, it was like persecution. And do you know what this man said? Praise God. We are suffering persecution at the moment. Praise God, he said. Now, I think that's the balance. We're never to pray for persecution. But if it does happen, we're to say, praise God, because something is happening here which is good for me spiritually. What did the psalmist say? I thank the Lord that I was afflicted, something along those lines. Now, how, how can we do that? Understand. What is it that I'm to understand? Um, I've got a lot of verses here. I've written them down so I don't have to turn in my Bible. So you don't have to turn. But Ephesians 2, I think it's verse 2. The devil is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the children of disobedience. So this is the connection. Paul is saying your suffering is linked to the attacks of Satan. So where is Satan's realm? It is here in this world. And so Satan is the one who can enter the heart of a person. Now, what do you make of this? In our reading this morning, we had Peter in a well-meaning way when Jesus was talking about going to Jerusalem and suffering on the cross. Peter said to him, don't go, don't put yourself in such difficulties. And what was Jesus' response? Get behind me, not Peter, but Satan. So even as believers, we can give a foothold to the devil if we give in to our fears. But I'm thinking now of the unbelieving world. You know, the believers in Peter's day were about to suffer a horrible wave of persecution that the Roman Emperor Nero was going to instigate. It wasn't Nero that was behind that persecution, was it? It was the prince of the power of the air that put the suggestion in Nero's heart. I know Nero was mad, but Satan is the one who's behind it. And don't you, who were here when this church came out of the Presbyterian denomination, over the gospel, don't some of you remember uh, some of those liberal ministers, and by liberal I don't mean political party, I mean those who didn't believe the Bible as the word of God, don't you remember the vehement uh, response in a lot of liberal ministers. It wasn't just that they disagreed with you on the gospel. They hated, can I say, they hated your guts because uh, you believed in the truths of the Bible. Thank God we haven't got that in uh, uh, the church at this moment then. So it, it's the devil that is behind uh, these things. So understand, understand. Remember the illustration from Pilgrim's Progress? The devil's a lion, but he's a chained lion. 
the devil roars. And isn't it loud sometimes? But the devil can't bite. You know, the devil is like a dog. Somebody called the devil a black dog. That's another word for depression, incidentally. And, you know, are you scared of dogs? I thought I was getting over my fear of dogs. But I started going jogging by Llanishan Reservoir. Have you been by Llanishan Reservoir? I think one day when I was jogging there, they must have had a conference of dog walkers. Because I kept on bumping into dogs. And they weren't on a leash. And the owners would say to me, it's all right. They won't bite you. Well, I felt like saying to them, it's all right for you to say that. But I'm petrified. My friend... The black dog of Satan is on a leash. And you know who's holding the leash? It is God Almighty. Praise God that the length of the leash is determined by our Saviour. So even when we have to endure the onslaughts of Satan, it's God who's still in control. And you know, somebody might say to me, Pastor, it's not true, is it, to say the devil roars but doesn't bite? What happens if Christians are physically persecuted? That hurts. And what happens if Christians, like these people, soon had to suffer, had to go into the arena and be mauled by lions? That's more than a bite, isn't it? What's your answer to that? My answer is the attitude of the Christians that had to go into the arena. Do you know what they thought? Praise God. Praise God, we are going to get the final crown, the crown of martyrdom. What I'm trying to say is in understanding our suffering, and especially the devil's uh, involvement, it's all according to plan. And we need to see that, don't we? That God isn't taken by surprise. That God is using our suffering to bring us closer to him. Um, uh, did um, the preacher last week mention the musician Brian Eno? I think he did. He mentioned Brian Eno. Uh, Brian Eno collaborated with David Bowie in the 1970s. Uh, David Bowie and Brian Eno went to Berlin, which wasn't a comfortable place to live in at the time. And David Bowie said, to live in your comfort zone is very nice, but it won't produce much music. Isn't that true spiritually? If we're in our little comfort zones, and in the West we are too comfortable, we don't thrive spiritually. There are no songs, as it were, coming from our hearts spiritually. But when we're out of our comfort zones, when we are on the front, as it were, being attacked by the devil, then doesn't it give us such a sense of the Lord's presence? that new songs come from our hearts. Uh, didn't David compose some of his most moving psalms when he was in the cave of Adullam, when he was a fugitive? Once David got settled in the palace, he didn't write much psalms, did he? Until he fell and God started dealing with him again. Oh, maybe we need to get out of our comfort zones. Let, let me mention a few examples. Martin Luther, he really got out of his comfort zone, didn't he? 
Do you remember the time when he had to be uh, a fugitive for a year? He lived in a big castle, the Wartburg Castle, uh, in the middle of Germany. It's in a beautiful location. And he was attacked by Satan in that castle. But in the meantime, he was doing the translation of the Bible into German. And this is what Luther said. Uh, now, this is really a song for you. And were this world all devils, or if there were devils everywhere, and watching to devour us, we lay it not to heart so sore. Not they can overpower us. We're not phased, he says. And let the prince of ill, the devil, look grim as e'er he will. He harms us not a whit. For why? His doom is writ. A word shall quickly slay him. And then he goes on. Listen to this. God's word, for all their craft and force, one moment will not linger, but spite of hell shall have its course. Tis written by his finger. And then he says, this is good, and though they take our life, goods, honour, children, wife, yet is their profit small. These things shall vanish all. The city of God remaineth. Oh, understand just something of your suffering. Now, we are not suffering what Luther suffered. We're definitely not being persecuted. But I read of this Christian. I don't know who he was. He'd lost his job. Somebody here? He'd suffered financial ruin and he'd lost a loved one and he was depressed and he was wandering the city streets. I don't know which city. And he came to a tall cathedral that was being built. Um, now, most cathedrals were finished many centuries ago, weren't they? Unless it's the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. Um, so I don't know what city this was. And then this is what uh, uh, is said. As he gazed at the construction, he noticed a workman chiseling at a piece of stonework towards the top and asked him, what was he doing? And the man explained that he was shaping an ornamental stone that had to be a precise shape and size to fit into its space at the very top of the church. Looking at the workman for a while, the man lifted his face upward. He came out of his depression and he prayed, Oh Lord, I understand now what you're doing. I understand. You are shaping me down here so that I will fit up there. And that's what God is doing to you and to me. He's chiseling away at our rough edges down here. And it's not easy, is it? It can be horrible. So that we will be fit for heaven one day. What a privilege. What a privilege. So that's my first point. I need to move on to the second point because we've got communion. Understand. Understand. And then my second point. What's my second point? Well, look at the verse again knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood. What's that? We're not alone, are we? We're, uh, if you think of the example of that... It's quite a competition with this wind tonight. <laughs> but even our God is in control of the wind. Even that ornamental stone in that cathedral... That was one stone among other stones. And aren't we all together 
being shaped, living stones in the temple that Jesus Christ is building. And isn't it part of being in the family of Jesus Christ? We're brothers and sisters. Uh, This is how Jesus puts it. It's because we're linked to Jesus Christ that we're suffering. And we're not just individually linked to him. We are all united to Jesus Christ here. In the communion, we're going to be reminded of that. So the Savior said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Isn't it a badge of honor to to be suffering for Jesus' sake and not to be suffering alone, but to be together in our suffering? I don't think we've quite got that yet. We're not spiritual enough, are we? How do I explain that? Well, I mean this. The suffering of Christians brings them together. The problem we've got in the West is we're dividing. And we're dividing over unspiritual things. If Christians are dividing over Bible translations or what should be sung uh, or uh, how church should be done uh, or what particular view one has on baptism or what is one's position on a certain truth, then we are unspiritual to all intents and purposes because what binds us together is Jesus Christ. Uh, I remembered um, uh, when I was up in Cargurle, uh, the excitement when um, Gwilym Roberts was telling me once of them coming out of the liberal denomination. Uh, we came out in North Wales. Five churches came out at the same time and they were nicknamed the Cluid Five. And it was tough for them. Pastors had to lose their manses and lose their pensions and lose their salaries. But they were standing together for the gospel. Can you see the spirituality of that? They were not leaving churches over lesser things. They were coming together over the major thing of the truth according to Jesus Christ. And on a serious note, what would happen if a pastor of an evangelical church down the road was imprisoned for preaching the gospel? What would happen if I was arrested for being faithful to the word? Would we then say, we can't visit them because we don't see eye to eye on this or that? I don't think we would, would we? We'd be all joined together spiritually in solidarity. Um, I was um, texting Moldova this afternoon because when pastors were imprisoned in Moldova during the communist persecution, do you know what happened? It's quite a moving story. Uh, The authorities would come to the door or to the church. Think of what would happen tonight if the authorities were to come through these doors and arrest me. Do you know what happened in Moldova under the communists? A pastor would be arrested, maybe in the service or at the end of the service. He'd be led out. And do you know what the congregation would do? They wouldn't panic. They would say, praise God. Not that they wanted to get rid of their pastor. (laughs) And they would sing a hymn. And I was frantically texting Moldova this afternoon to get a translation of this hymn because I don't know Romanian. And this is the rough translation I've got. Listen to this. 
This is the brotherhood. Joined together in the fires of persecution. This is spiritual unity now. We are ready to sacrifice ourselves. For the Lord Jesus Christ, we would die. Our city is not of this world. It is heaven with the Holy Father. We're not to pray for such times, are we? But if they were to happen, would it be that bad a thing? If it would purify us and bring us together? I don't think it would be a bad thing. We're too comfortable, aren't we? We're too comfortable. Let's just widen it out a bit. Um, I remember when I was first converted, I, I was on top of the mountain for several months. Is anybody there at the moment? You've just come to know the Lord, and it's wonderful. I long to be there with you. <laughs> it was wonderful. But then soon, you descend. I had to come down the mountain, and I had to struggle with doubts. I had other temptations as well, and my first thought was nobody else is suffering this. I can't be a real Christian if I've got this particular temptation. And you know what? I picked up my Welsh hymn book and I realised William Williams, Pantacellin, 200 years ago, had the same temptation. And you know what I said? Praise God, my brother went through the same thing. Uh, you've all got to read Pilgrim's Progress, right? If, if you read about Christian there, going through the valley of the shadow of death, he thinks he's alone. He thinks he's alone. And then, th this is Bunyan's words, while he pondered and mused, he heard the voice of a man as going before him, saying, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's the voice of King David, or Shepherd David. But it was somebody else reciting that psalm. Then he was glad, Christian, that someone else who feared God was in this valley as well as himself. Do you know Spurgeon read that when he was young and converted and struggling with doubts? And do you know what Spurgeon said? Praise God for Honest John. That's what he nicknamed John Bunyan, Honest John. I now realise that I'm not the only one. There's somebody else going through the same thing. I remember one member of this church telling me how they had doubts and they went to see um, our previous pastor and he said, uh, you know, it's common. Oh, my friends, you are not alone. We are all together. Doesn't that help? Did, uh, there's a, a film, isn't there? A band of brothers. Is it a World, is it a world War II uh, film? We're a band of brothers in the spiritual battle. And do you know what? Haven't we got a duty to our brotherhood from Iran? Uh, since he's not here tonight, I can mention Keith Badstone. Uh, he once said to me, you know, don't forget to pray for the persecuted church. What's the church? The church isn't just Heath Church. We sometimes think that we are the church. We're just a little outcrop of the church. The church of Jesus Christ is found all over the world. And we suffer together, don't we? And so our suffering brotherhood 
who have come here for asylum. We should be welcoming them with, with open arms. We should be praying for them. You know, we've got um, Christian bodies uh, like Barnabas and others, Elam ministries, who are uh, uh, informing us about the things that are happening in the world. There are more Christians in the world today than ever before in the history of the church. The church is mushrooming in many, many parts of the world. God is moving by his spirit. And as a result, the devil is bringing persecution. And there are more Christians persecuted in the last century, the 20th century, than ever in the history of the church. Do we realize that? Do we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters. And then I've just got one more thing, and we'll go to communion. I just read these words before coming to the church tonight, and we're not to pray for persecution, but I just want to quote George Otis. Uh, he was speaking many decades ago, and these words should ring out. Should the church in politically or socially trying circumstances like we are facing, remain coverts to avoid potential eradication by forces hostile to Christianity. Sh should we kind of tread carefully because we're afraid of uh, trouble that might come? And then Otis goes on to ask, or would more open confrontation with prevailing spiritual ignorance and deprivation even if it produced Christian martyrs, be more likely to lead to an evangelistic breakthrough. Islamic fundamentalists claim that their spiritual revolution is fueled by the blood of their martyrs. Is it conceivable that Christianity's failure to thrive is due to the notable absence of Christian martyrs? The record shows that from Jerusalem and Damascus to Ephesus and Rome, in the history of the church, the apostles were beaten, stoned, conspired against, and imprisoned for their witness. It was that which didn't destroy the church as the authorities thought it would, but caused the church to blossom. Are we too comfortable? Are we ready to get out of our comfort zones and to live for Christ? in the society we are in today? And are we realizing we're in it together? And if times of persecution was to come, may God knit our hearts more and more together, not just here, but across our city, so that we would stand as one for our Savior. May he bless us all uh, in your suffering and if there's to be a time of persecution. Whatever happens, may we be able to say, praise the Lord, God is good. For his name's sake, amen.